0: Jeremiah chapter number 18. We're going to start by reading verse 1 through 6. It says, The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. The vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again another vessel as seemed good to the potter to make it and the word of the Lord came to me saying O house of Israel cannot I do with you as this potter saith the Lord behold as the clay is in the potter's hand so are ye in mine hand O house of Israel now I've been thinking on this text for a little while and i placed this on my heart a week or so ago and just hadn't felt liberty to preach it yet, but the Lord directed me here tonight. In this text, the Lord gives us a visual sermon, does he not? He tells Jeremiah, he says, Jeremiah, I want you to go down to the potter's house so that you can see how that potter performs his wonderful work on that wheel. And there in that potter's house, Jeremiah watched that potter As he molded a vessel on the wheel, and if it wasn't turning out right, that potter would ruin that vessel. That's what the word mar means. He'd ruin that vessel, and he'd start all over again using that same piece of clay. He would again start molding it and start shaping it the way he wanted it to be. And he would continue this process of of making and remaking that vessel until the molded vessel seemed good in the potter's sight. And listen, folks, if you did not already realize this, the Lord is the potter, and you are the clay. Genesis 2-7, what does the Bible tell us? It tells us the Lord God what? Formed man of the dust of the ground, right? To Jeremiah in Jeremiah 1 5, the Lord says, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. God formed him. Isaiah wrote to Isaiah 64 8, O Lord, we are the clay, thou art the potter. And listen, folks, truly, our, our lives they do not just happen by some freak accident or some random chance. Like our secular society would like to suggest today, but we are an intricately designed individual by the hand of God. Amen. And we have an almighty, all knowing, all powerful God who has specifically and uniquely made us as the individuals that we are. And so, He's specially and physically, He has formed us. Just as he formed Adam, he has formed you and he's formed me into the men and to the women that we are. But notice, folks, that the work of our potter does not stop with the formation of our physical bodies, does it? Because you know, if you read this, the primary context of this verse is not about him making physical men, it's not about him forming their physical bodies it has a spiritual connotation here we serve a god who listen folks he is just as concerned if not more concerned about molding the inward part of a man as he was about molding that outward part of a man the bible says god is spirit and they that, are, that worship god must worship him in spirit and truth god is concerned about the inward part of a man samuel stated in first samuel 16:7 this is as God was picking out the next king of Israel, and uh, Saul's heart was not right with God, and they were searching for that next king, and the word that God uh, spoke to Samuel at that time, he's, he has, as he was directing him to King David, he said in 1 Samuel sixteen seven, The Lord seeth not as man seeth, for the Lord looketh on the heart. God sees your heart. Even when nobody else sees what's in your heart, God sees what's in your heart. He knows what you really are. Because physically, we can put on a whole lot of things, but God sees right through that. And the person that he wants to mold is what's on the inside. Because you know the reality is that when he's got us molded on the inside to the image of Jesus Christ, guess what's going to happen? It's going to be visibly demonstrated on the outside as well. It cannot be helped. You see, you can be sure that God who sees your heart desires to make you into a vessel that seemeth good and right unto him. Truly this illustration that the Lord has given us here in this text, it it points out the continuing work of God in our life as well, does it not? Even in our text, you see, if the vessel was not turning out the way the potter deemed to be good, what did he do? Bible says he marred it, meaning he ruined it. He squished it all back down and started over again. Start a fresh work on that same piece of clay. Did he not? Praise the Lord. He doesn't throw the clay away. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. His compassions fail not. His mercies are new every morning. Amen. 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 Praise God that he deals with you and that he deals with me in such a manner. We do not deserve it, but that's the way he deals with us. Amen. He doesn't throw away the blood. He starts afresh and a new work as necessary in our lives. And he keeps on working with it and working on it and working in it and seeking to conform us into the vessel that seems good to him. I'm reminded of the children's song. I think probably they've sang it in children's church here. I know that I've heard kids sing it in children's churches all over all over the states when we are traveling as missionaries, that song, He's still working on me, right? Boy, there's some truth in that, is there not? He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. And that says, It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, but what? He's still working on me. There's truth there, right? That song is most definitely true and. The fact of the matter is, there's no one in the building that's arrived, right? And my potter is still working on me to make me that that good vessel that he wants for me to be. Listen, folks, we would do well to remember as well, as we think on this, that he's the potter, what? I'm the clay, not the other way around think some Christians nowadays get that a little confused. They get a little mixed up and backwards. They think they need to tell God what he's going to do in their life. That's not so. He's the potter, you're the clay. And listen, folks. I'm the one that needs to be molded. And I'm the one that needs to be made. And I'm the one that needs to be fitted for his service. Not him. Is there anything that God needs to change about himself? No. God's already perfect. He's holy. He's completely righteous and just with no fault in him. He doesn't need anything to be changed about him. But we are continually needing things to be changed about us. We are continually needing to be made more and more into his image. To be the person, the Christian, the individual that he wants for us to be. I think that's exactly what the Lord was trying to get across here through Jeremiah to Israel in our text. And as well to us. He's trying to tell us, don't you realize, Christian, just think about it. You are clay in my hand. You have no power to make anything good come out of your life. Nothing at all. What power does a lump of clay have? (laughs) There's no ability there to make anything good, is there? Nothing good out of your life at all without the touch of the master's hand. Amen. he says you need listen you need my hand to make anything good or to make anything beautiful come out of this ugly blob of dirt (laughs) isn't that wonderful god compares us to an ugly blob of dirt i mean that's what it is he said he made us out of the dust of the earth right and he said you need my hand to make anything good come out of that you know that's the truth 'Cause you know down deep that you're just wretched, miserable that's right. sinner. And then your own good efforts and merit, you'd be on your way to hell tonight if it wasn't for your good God. Right. You know that's the truth of the matter. Listen, friend. If enough to send his only son to die for us to shed his precious blood we've been granted the opportunity to be made something beautiful in the sight of God by the hand of an almighty God you think of it that way you think wow what an opportunity people don't think of it that way nowadays anyway they look at the Christian life like boy what a drag boy I can't believe it I gotta go to church I got to read my Bible because I'm a Christian. I I guess I got to get I, I got to dress modestly because I'm a Christian and God says I've got to. I guess I got to talk right. I guess I got to act right. <clears throat> you get to. Amen. Why? Because God died on the cross for you Amen. that you might have you might have the wonderful privilege of Him working in your life to conform you to the image of His dear Son. You don't deserve it. You get for it to happen in your life. Amen? Just an ugly blob of dirt and God's going to make you something beautiful. You see, truly the only real value in a lump of clay is not seen in what it is but in what the potter can make of it. So tonight as we consider this thought I want us to think of just a few things tonight. Of importance concerning the clay. And may it help us, may it challenge us to remember what we are. Because the reality is, we're just nothing without Him. Absolutely worthless, absolutely nothing. It's only because of Him and what He's able to do in your life and in mine that there's any worth found in us. Praise God. God. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 If it were not for grace, if it were not for Jesus, I would not be behind this pulpit tonight. I would probably be doing some other crazy thing, who knows what. But because of Christ, because of grace, the matchless grace of my Lord and oh, yeah. Savior, demonstrated, commendeth towards us on an old rugged cross, because of that, I have the wonderful privilege to stand behind this pulpit tonight and to serve an almighty and holy God, which I do not deserve, deserve to serve. I don't deserve it. Praise God. I don't deserve it. You know, it'd be great if Christians would get back to realizing that. Amen. You don't deserve to sit in this church tonight. You don't deserve to sit in a pew for a person that Jesus shed his blood and died for. You think so? I don't think so. Miss Linda, you don't deserve to teach a Sunday school class. I don't deserve to be a pastor of a church, brother Daryl. You don't deserve to teach your Sunday school, brother Raymond. You don't deserve to get out and tell somebody about Jesus Christ, brother Jackie. You don't deserve to be a deacon. You don't deserve. Listen, brother Sammy, you don't deserve to lead the song service. You don't deserve to do any of this. Listen, we get to do it, amen. amen. Because Jesus died on an old rugged cross to amen. grant us the privilege to serve Him with all of our. I get to go to church amen not because I'm worthy but because he is worthy what a privilege the potter has granted that I the clay could have this privilege to to serve him live for him and honor him with my life so as we think about that our unworthiness just a lump of dirt (laughs) tonight may we consider the importance of what we are just that clay and of the importance of the potter's work in our life as well the first thing I want you to notice tonight that I consider these are just thoughts that came to my mind as I was meditating and just chewing on this thought. The first thing that came to my mind is its pennilessness. You say, What do you mean, preacher? What's a piece of clay worth? It's really not worth anything, is it? I mean, it's it's just dirt. As a kid, I used to go out to my grandfather's gravel pit. He has a gravel pit in the back of his yard. He has a decent sized piece of acreage and there's sections of his property that have clay and I would go out there and I would dig up as much of that stuff as I want. Blue clay, I mean, covered all blue all over my hands and everything. <laughs> you know how much it cost me? This much. Not a single dime. I just dug it up and it was mine. <laughs> My boys had that opportunity. They probably would be covered head to toe in blue. We wouldn't think they were aliens. <laughs> but you know what? It was free. You know, I was thinking about. It. I've heard another preacher say this before. I was curious. I looked it up tonight. I think it said that the chemical elements of your body are worth just about one dollar. We think we're worth a whole lot, don't we? But one buck—you can't even buy a cheeseburger for a buck nowadays, brother. Darrell. <laughs> You see, listen, folks, we're just worthless dirt. That's all we are. Nothing special about us. And it's not what we are that is of value, but it is what the master can make of us and do with us that is valuable. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 29, I'd like to read this. The Apostle Paul writes here and he says, And for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. You see, it's God's will and desire that every born again Christian would be conformed to the image of the Son. The potter's desire is for us to be conformed to the image of the Son. And listen, friend, a penniless piece of clay can be sculpted into a priceless piece of art, can it not? But how's that going to happen? It's only going to happen, happen by the hand of the master, right? By the hand of the potter. So may we never cease to remember, you know what, I'm weak. I'm worthless. I'm really nothing. When I start to get to the place where I think that I'm something, I've got a problem. Well, yeah. I need to just get on my knees and repent and ask God to help me because I'm nothing. Just a worthless piece of dirt that I that gets to be used by God. But listen, friend, that weak and worthless dirt in the hand of God can become a vessel of honor and of great value because I reflect the priceless image of the dear Son of God. And that's the purpose. I may be penniless myself, but I can reflect the image of the dear priceless Son of God. You know, the Bible talks about in 1 Corinthians We can look over there. I know when God first called me to the ministry, this is a passage of scripture that the Lord reminded me of frequently. I want to read it to you, 1 Corinthians chapter number one. This is something you're all familiar with, but I want to read it anyways. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26 to 31. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble or called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and the base things of the world, and the things which are despised, hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth let him glory in the Lord. Nothing. Nothing. Just a weak, foolish thing. That's what the Bible says. You know, I always when the lord started dealing with me about surrendering to, to preach um, i fought god so hard brother bill because to me in my mind i was the last person i would choose to be a preacher <laughs> i mean i had speech class miss linda shipped the whole time and i had a hard time managing to get through the thing if it was 3 minutes i was going to get done 2 minutes and 59 seconds cuz i did not want to be up there and god says eric i want you to preach <laughs> No, you don't. (laughs) But I surrendered nonetheless, and God has used me, and it's not because of anything related to me. All I can testify is I'm just nothing, and it's all by the grace of God that I am what I am because God has done what he's done in my life. I am just a weak and worthless thing that gets to be used for the glory of God. Just like a piece of clay, right? Worthless, weak, of no real value until the Master puts his touch. He, He starts that wheel and turning, and he starts forming, and he starts making, and he makes it the beautiful, wonderful vessel that he wants for it to be. That's the work of God in the life of the Christian, friend. And it's not about you. It's all because of him. And so Amen. you think about that. You get to come to church tonight. It's, praise God, I get to. I don't deserve to. I get to come to church. Amen. I get to tell others about Jesus. I get to preach tonight. You've got to sing, ladies, tonight. You've got to sing for Jesus tonight. You've got to. <laughs> praise the Lord. We don't deserve it when we get to. I notice here, first of all, that the clay is penniless. But I also notice about clay that it's pliable, isn't it? Clay is pliable. You know, it's important for clay to be pliable or moldable, if you would. And I don't know if you've ever messed with clay. I, Like I said, I did it a lot growing up as a kid. Whenever I'd visit my grandparents, I liked to get into it if I could find some. But that clay, if it becomes hardened, you just can't do anything with it. You can't make anything out of it. It's got all these big, hard chunks in it, and you just... It's difficult to do much of anything with it if it's in that state. It needs to be moist. It needs to be moldable. And this is the way that God desires for us to be, so soft and tender and moldable to his hand in our life that he would be able to make us what he wants. That that deals with the concept of us being so yielded to him that he can easily form us the way he wants in our life. You know, I'm reminded when I think of this in the text in Zechariah chapter 7 and the tomb of Israel were not moldable in this text I mean they were completely contrary to this but I want you to see the opposite end in chapter 7 verse 11 and 12 it says but they refused to hearken and pulled away the shoulder and stopped their ears that they should not hear yea they made their hearts as an adamant stone lest they should hear the law and the words which the Lord of hosts hath sent in his spirit by the former prophets, therefore came a great wrath from the Lord of hosts. And the Lord makes it clear that because they had become hardened, he was unable to, to work in their lives the way that he so desired. You know, folks, I, I think I think the Lord desires to work in our lives in a, in a great way Um as well. It's his, his desire that he, he would be able to do that. But the truth is that when we become hard in our hearts, we hinder the work of God in our lives, do we not? And I'll tell you what, we're prone to that, aren't we not? We're prone to hardness. We're prone to get hard to the things of God. And when we do that, we are literally hindering the hand of God from molding us as he desires in our lives. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. says here, it says, But exhort one another daily while it is called today. Now listen, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Now this text here specifically warns us that one of the ways we can be hardened is how? Through the deceitfulness of sin. When we start allowing sin to creep in, in some way or form in our life, guess what? It's going to cause us to start getting hard to the things of God. You say, well, I, I'm fine. I don't get any problem. But I'm just not soft to the things of God. Well, I can tell you, friend, if you're not soft and tender to the things of God, it's probably because in some way or form, you You've allowed the deceitfulness of sin to creep in. Yes. And even without your knowing it, you've become hard. Amen. The Bible talks about the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? And I think the truth is that that sin will creep in without us even being aware of it being there sometimes. And harden us to what God wants in our lives. Beware, Christian, that you don't become hard. If you have, like I said, it's likely because that sin has crept in. You better repent and get back to the place where you are yielded and soft and pliable and moldable in the hand of the master. Because the last thing you want is for him not to make you that beautiful vessel that he wants you to be. Amen. You want to be able to be moved, moldable and pliable in the hand of the master. Soft to his hand. You know, I was thinking about this as well. And As long as uh, clay has not been baked, from what I understand, you get to the place where you fire it. And that forms it to a permanent vessel. But if clay is, is um, if it just dries out, it gets hard, it can't be usable at that moment. But If you put more water in it, you can get it back to a state of being able to use it again. You know what, folks? The Bible oftentimes compares the Word of God to water. And I think sometimes if we start getting hardened to the things of God, you know what it is that we need? We need more of the Word of God. We need to get more preaching. We need to get more Bible reading. Uh, We need to get back to that place where we're just letting that word of God flood over our lives again so we can get back to that right place where we are soft in the master's hand once again. So consider this so far tonight. Clay is penniless. It's just a worthless item without the touch of the master. It is a pliable thing, and and it's got to be moldable. Okay? Also, I see here, for lack of a better P word, I said it is persistent. (laughs) I notice that the clay, as long as it is persistently on the wheel, it will continue to be molded and worked by the potter's hand. Let me tell you, truly, clay, it is a durable substance, is it not? And as long as it stays wet and on the wheel, that clay has great, great potential. To make some very beautiful items. Might I speak a word of encouragement to you, Christians, tonight? Listen, friend, you are not there yet. You've not arrived. There is still much work to be done in your life to make you like Jesus Christ. So, listen, my friend. Listen, my brother. can't see the end you don't know how it's all going to turn out but just stay on the wheel my brother and let the master have his perfect work in your heart in your life to make you the man the woman the child that he wants for you to be first Peter chapter 5 verse number 6 He says here humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time Boy, what a powerful verse is it not is that not what happens when the clay is in the hand of the potter Amen. humble yourself therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time Just stay on the wheel. Humble yourself in His hand, and just watch. uh, Just wait and watch what He's going to do in your life. You notice now, verse, verse ten of that same text. It says, "But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto His eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, established, strengthened, settle you to Him be glory and dominion forever and ever." Amen. Amen. Listen, he will finish his work in your life. He is determined to stay on that wheel and continue allowing him to do that perfect work that he's desired in your life. So I see here it's penniless, it's pliable, it's persistent. I notice as well, it is pounded. You may say, I don't like that, preacher. Sure. <laughs> you may not like it, but sometimes it's necessary, right? Sometimes a piece of clay must be worked over in order to be moldable. In order to be soft, the the hard spots, the rocks, sometimes, guess what? They need to be cut out, right? Needs to be pounded so it can be soft enough to be molded by the master's hand. Is that not exactly what the Lord needs to do with us sometimes? Sometimes I need to be cut to the heart. Doesn't feel good, but sometimes I need it. Sometimes I need to be pulverized and broken by the Word of God that I might be soft enough to be molded by the Master's hand. And you know what, folks? Sometimes I'm called to endure various ordeals in my life that I might be softened and tender to the mighty hand of God. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews, and I believe this is a similar principle. Hebrews chapter number 12, verse 6 to 12. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye do, thou are whereof all are partakers, and are ye bastards and not sons? Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us and gave us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily, for a few days, chastened us after their own pleasure, but he, for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now. No chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. So, what's he saying? You know what? My sons sometimes need chastening. Why? To perform that good work in them. To help them to develop the character. To be the men of God that they need to be. You know what? Sometimes you and I as Christians. Need our heavenly father to chasten us. We need that pounding. We need that cutting to the heart. Why? That he might make us into the holy. Individuals that he desires for us to be. What does it say here in verse number 9. 11 it says. Now chastening for the present seemeth. uh, uh, Now no chastening for the present. Seemeth to be joyous. But grievous, is it fun to to endure the pounding? Is Is it fun to endure the cutting, the pricking of the heart, the chastening of the hand of God? No, it's grievous. It's not fun at all. But, notice the end of this verse, Nevertheless, afterward, what? It yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. The purpose, again, is that God would use it for the, for the purpose of softening us, that he might work his good work in us and mold us into the individuals that he wants for us to be. Amen. That's God's purpose. You also remember Romans eight twenty eight. This is not an unfamiliar text to you all. Sometimes it's not even because we're being chastised. It's just other things that God allows in our hearts and lives to help conform us and make us who he wants us to be. Um, Chapter 8, verse 28, 29, it says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And then verse 29, which I already read tonight, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate what? To be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. You see the purpose of those all things? You know, we quote that verse frequently when we're going through something difficult because we don't like it. But we, in our minds, we want to reserve ourselves and thinking, okay, God's doing something here because I really don't like what I'm going through and so I'm going to claim that verse that somehow God's bringing good out of this. The reality is that God is. God works those things all together for good. For what purpose? To conform you to the image of his dear Son sometimes that requires a pounding on our part to soften our hearts to soften us to the place where we would be moldable in the hand of the master so notice the clay is penniless it's pliable it's persistent it is pounded i want you to notice also that it is perfected in fire now listen friend once a potter has molded a vessel <coughs> He's crafted that that vessel into its desired shape, into its desired design. The next thing he's going to do is he's going to use fire to harden it into that beautiful shape and design that he has created, is he not? To permanently make it into that beautiful vessel that he has designed. And I think it is abundantly clear as we study the Word of God that the Lord also perfects us in the fire of trials that he might harden us in that beautiful vessel of faith that he has designed for us to be. We don't like it, do we? But he uses it to harden us in that faith, and that walk with God, to strengthen us as we follow him. I'll tell you there's many things I've not choose to go through over again, but I'll tell you what it strengthened my faith. It's hardened in me in my, in my my faith and my walk with God. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6 and 7 says this. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. None of us like that part. And he says here that the trial of your faith, being more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Wow, there's a purpose behind it, is there not? You look also at James chapter number one and verse two to four, there's one book back here, my brethren. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Now, I've never got that verse because I don't think any of us can say we count it all joy when that happens, do we? But he says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. And why are we to count it joy? He says, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. You see what God's teaching us here, what he's showing us? Now, I understand that none of us like to endure the furnace of trial and affliction. We don't like to go through those times. But what I'm telling you tonight, folks, is that the Lord uses it for his good in your life. He uses it as he seeks to refine us and as he seeks to harden us through those fiery trials, to harden us in our faith and in our walk with God harden us into that beautiful form that he wants us to be seen as. I think, as I consider this, I think of men like Daniel, men like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, men like Joseph, men like Paul. Did not God perfect them through the fire of trials in their life? You see, God used it to make them such beautiful, godly men of faith, did he not? He certainly did. He certainly did. And listen, friend, he will do so in your life and in my life as well. Because he's the potter. And the potter knows what's best for the clay. Amen. We may not always like it. It may not always be comfortable, but he knows what's best. So notice it's penniless. It's pliable. It's persistent. It's pounded. It's perfected in the fire. And lastly, I want you to notice that it is prized when it is finished. Listen, friend, when it's all said and done, the potter's hand has crafted his masterpiece and it's been tried and it's been perfected in the furnace, it will come out a beautiful and a valuable vessel that reflects the handiwork of the master, that reflects his dear son. Amen. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 to 27. I'd like to read that as well. It says, Your husbands love your wives. I'm not talking to husbands right now, but just listen. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Why? Why? That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. That he might present it to himself a glorious church. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. But that it might, they should be holy and without blemish. Wow. You see the Lord's desire there? The Lord's desire is to present us to himself. As his prized, finished work and as his dear bride. That's precious, isn't it? The Bible tells us also in Hebrews 20, uh, 12, 22. A year come unto Mount Zion and the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. Okay, I'm reading the wrong verse. Okay, it's verse 23 that I wanted. I'm sorry. It says, To the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are, the, are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men, what? Made perfect. Made perfect. Made perfect. You know what? I can't do that, but Jesus can. Let me tell you, friend, truly in this whole life, he is working on me. He's molding me, he's perfecting me more and more and more into the image of his dear son. And one day, there's going to come a day when he's going to take me and he's going to completely, totally make me perfect in his wonderful image. He's going to give me a body like his glorious body. And so shall I ever be with the Lord as his prized work. The prized work of the potter's hand, the bride of Christ. A trophy of grace in the kingdom of the Almighty. Praise the Lord. Listen, friend. He's the potter, and I am the clay. Amen. I'm not worth anything. He's worth everything. Try I have no beauty of my own, but he is the rose of Sharon. Yeah. And he is all beautiful. Yeah. And as he works in your life and in mine, he can make us and mold us into beautiful Christian people that he wants for us to be. And so listen, don't, don't think, I've got, to do, I've got to do this Christian thing, I've got to be a Christian, I've got to live this way and do this thing or do that thing No, you get to you're just a worthless piece of dirt (laughs) that God has chosen to show mercy to to work on and work on and work on to conform that he might make you beautiful in his sight to make one day his prized possession and all we really ought to do is just raise our hand to heaven and say thank you Jesus because I really don't deserve it Yes, Lord, you are the potter, I am the clay. Have thine own way. Mold me and make me as you see fit in my life. As we close today, let's all stand to our feet. Heads bowed, eyes closed. The Lord has spoken to your heart tonight. Would you come and pray? Maybe you just want to kneel down again and say, Lord, I thank you so much that I just get, I get to serve you. I get to let you work in my life. I get to let you mold me and make me. Maybe you want to come forward tonight and yield yourself once again and say, Lord, here I am. I want to be pliable in your hand. I want to be moldable in your hand. I don't want to allow hardness to creep in my life, whether it's through the deceitfulness of sin or for some other reason. I want to be molded in your hand. I want you to be able to do with me and my life as you see fit. So that you might make me and craft me into the beautiful man or woman of God that you want me to be. Lord, spoken to your heart tonight, you come and pray to all there's open.